Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Watch This Immediately, a show that celebrates the ignorance of its co-hosts. Every time, not every week, but every time that we get together, we discuss something that one of us has no business discussing whatsoever. And this week, I, one of your co-hosts, Stephen Krauss, and my other co-host, Manier, are going to discuss season four, oh fuck, season one, season one, episode four of Lost, Yes. entitled Walkabout, Yes. written by David Fury and directed by some guy who I did not bother looking up his name, Jack Bender. The towering director of Child's Play Three. Um, it's it's very uh, very apt that the name of the director is Fury because this uh, show puts me into a fury whenever I think about it. <laughs> now, David Fury, the writer of this show or this episode, actually was one of the producers on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, and wrote some episodes of that. So he's he's got a episodic television uh, career behind him. Okay, well, he probably I think he left his best writing chops behind on those shows. <laughs> so this is something that I knew nothing about. I knew about the show Lost. I knew it existed. I have never seen a single episode of it until you recommended this particular show and this particular episode. So I am going to sit back and enjoy a beverage. Okay. And you are going to tell me why Lost is important and why it's something that I should have seen or why it's arguable that to be a part of the American cultural conversation, I should have seen Lost. So in 2005, I believe, is when this show first uh, first aired. Um, that was a time when, you know, it was a very fallow time for TV. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't a lot going on. The cable networks had not yet started putting a bunch of big money behind scripted television. That's true. And so this, this particular show had two kind of big things that happened for it. One was um, the the pilot episode, which Hulu actually has split into two, was the most expensive episode of television filmed at that time. I think it cost like so, something like $10 million. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, it was essentially a two-hour movie. So they were banking on this being really important, and if it failed on television in America, they would probably sell it as a movie elsewhere in the world. They very well, yes, they very well could have. And, I mean, it would have been an unsatisfying movie. They probably would have had to film a couple more scenes. But, I mean, yeah, it could have stood alone. Um, And really, this show, I think, went on for six seasons. It should have stopped at season one and a half. Yeah, because um, the one, so, so, yeah, the reason it's important is because in 2005 and 2006 and, and seven. Um, this was like one of those water cooler shows where you you knew somebody who was watching Lost. And they did a lot of different things that really reeled in the audience. And, and the, the way you described it to earlier was there's something that happens in the beginning, which is like, wow. Then there's a whole lot of nothing in the middle. And at the end, there's something that you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. That's what impressed me most about this. Yes. 
big bang at the beginning, you know, something to really grab your attention, then something at the end, and a whole lot of nothing in between. Yes. And and that is, um, now that you mention it that way, it is this, the formula for the first season of the show. Because you always see the, you know, the big bang at the beginning, something's happening, then they just do boring island stuff. <laughs> and then there's some weird revelation. Like, okay, if this show is 15 to 16 years old now, so if you're going to call spoiler alert, get a life and just read Wikipedia. Yeah, I think the whole, we probably should have just called this podcast spoiler alert, but I'm pretty sure that's already taken. I mean, okay, so some of some of the twists are like, you know, you remember that, that uh, girl Shannon? Who was, because I, I have no idea. The, the blonde, the, yeah. Are. So she's the blonde woman who got the the um, British dude to go fish for her. Okay. Okay. Sure. So her and her stepbrother appear to hate each other, but the twist in their particular episode was that they've slept together. I mean, in our current American porn landscape. That's not really surprising anymore. No. But I mean, yeah. It's expected. At that time. It's de rigueur. Step, step-sibling stuff was still seen as somewhat titillating. Yeah. You, you didn't have... I mean, the reason that it's taken over the American porn conversation right. is because it's considered to be titillating. <laughs> yes, so exactly. This was just apparently the first time they were like, let's explore this. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, just stuff like that. So um, the other part that really was, I think, compelling for a lot of people was the fact that there are a lot of Easter eggs hidden behind the scenes here. And so, so you know, there were podcasts at that time. And it was essentially a proto-podcast where people would, would talk about lo- episodes of Lost. And there were folks who were stopping it and just going frame by frame and looking in the background. Um, and there are a group of numbers which, I mean, this is how little I care about the show now. I, don't, I just remember <laughs> that number three is involved. But yeah, you would see like, you know, anytime you'd see a ticker or anytime you'd see like a sign in the background, people would be like, is there a three and a 15 or whatever in there? And most of the times it never really amounted to anything, but it was that mysterious, like, like that, uh, that almost uh, uh, numerological kind of tie in that made people think, oh, well, these numbers have to mean something. They ultimately did not mean anything. Now I'm just going to ruin this for myself, but so never, never amounts to anything. These numbers. If it happened after like middle of season four, mm-hmm. then I don't know about it because that's when I stopped watching. Okay. Because um, I watched the first the first episode the first season. I mean, I found it at the time to be very compelling. I watched the first season, twenty two episodes, hour long each. 40 minutes on the DVD in about four days. And the second season, you know, it was a little weirder, but I was like, you know what? We can't, it can't all be good. Great. <laughs> That's how it starts when you make it, yeah. make those kind of allowances. Season three, I'm like, I mean, season one was great, so maybe it'll come back. And And by the time season four rolled around, I had, I believe, eight episodes of this show on the DVR. 
And this was back when DVRs actually had like, you know, storage space. So I'm like, I don't want to watch these eight episodes of this show. And so at that point I said, I'm going to cut my losses and stop watching this and torturing myself. <laughs> but, you know, because I'm what one would call perhaps basic, I really got into this show season one. It really makes me think of how you can ask somebody sometime, how did you get involved with this horrible person that you were dating for, mm-hmm. you know, X number of months? And that's because it starts out fun. Yeah, <laughs> There's right. something in that first month or two that grabs you and you're like, oh, I can actually enjoy this person. And then as you go on, you're like, well, the first couple of months was kind of fun. Maybe that's going to come back. And yeah. and then finally, you're just like, this is a toxic situation. I need to leave. I was, I was in an abusive relationship with this show. It kept on, it kept on um, um, sort of uh, extinguishing all hope in my life. <laughs> yeah. You basically described the robot woman that I was dating yes. for a while there. Oh, yeah, and true. This, this like mirrored that entire relationship. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that, was tough, that was a tough one, man. Yeah. I, I mean, we That's, won't this say... This is any, exactly... You pretty much described it, so... Well, we, we won't say any more, though. Be- because, you know, I don't want your home situation to get all, all messed up again. My girlfriend is aware that I have a past. Well, yeah, yeah, but, I mean, we, we got to keep this... Uh, she also knows that this person was terrible. Yeah, yeah, no, she, I mean, well, look, you've got to be human to be terrible. Like, she was just a robot. Her programming, her programming was off. Okay, well, she knows that she was a robot. Yeah. Exactly. Well, she was like... That's a, the point. She was like, she was like Bicentennial Man. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Except. Except she didn't have... Robin, Robin Williams in that movie had the He emotions. had some warmth. Yeah. <laughs> She, she had all of the human-like upgrades, but... She had gone the other way. Yeah. She had like, gone from human to robot. <laughs> yeah. So she was the, the human, the reverse bicentennial man. Yeah, she, she had... She'd essentially become part of the Borg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about her. So, so this show beat you mercilessly. Yes. And the only reason I would... I would have people watch this is the same reason you have people watch Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> is because they should watch it at least once. It's season one. I would say to people, watch season one. Because, you know, if you think about the context of when it was released and just how overwhelmingly popular it was, if you want to know what, you know, if you want some idea of, like, the cultural landscape in 05 and 06, you, you should watch this. That's fair. I never encountered it. I knew it existed, and it seemed like the sort of thing that might have been up my alley. However, the office that I was working in at the time, it was a Grey's Anatomy office. Oh. Um, so. Now that's what I've never watched. I've never watched it either. Okay. And I, I, I'm not going to. We're just going to have to see what happens with that. Yeah. Um, Maybe if we... Uh, if, if Lizette forces us, maybe. I don't think it's her kind of thing. Okay, so. great. All right. There, there's no reason, then. If we, if we ever open it up to a Patreon... Yes, exactly. Uh, if our patrons want to make us watch an episode. Um, but, yeah, it was a Grey's Anatomy office. So everyone in that office, all the, the women, anyway, watched Grey's Anatomy. And the guys were mainly sports guys, so they didn't really care all that much about television or movies. And so... I heard a lot about what happened on Grey's Anatomy. I was aware of Lost, and I I never came across an episode. I would come across people who would tell me, like, oh, my God, you should watch Lost. And then they would tell me things that they hated about it. Yeah. 
and then ended up with, yeah, you really should watch it. And I would counter with, you just told me all of these things that you don't like about this show. Why am I going to watch it? And so that was the abusive relationship that Lost kind of trapped people in. Pretty much. The Walking Dead is the the modern day equivalent. Yeah. Because um, I've really, more than anything else, um, at least people with, with Lost would acknowledge the fact that they were they were pissed off about the show and they felt that it had lost a step. Um, Walking Dead, someone will tell you, oh my God, you should watch Walking Dead. It's the worst fucking thing ever. I hate it. Um, every episode is just absolute stupidness except for the first five minutes and the last ten seconds. Um, I can't wait to, to until I see the next episode. Yeah. Um, people absolutely hate love The Walking Dead. Um, so they've they've learned some things from Lost, but Lost was the first show that I ever found where people were like, I hate love this, or I love hate this. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, I've, I've told you about this before, but um, in the last season of this show, I was made aware that this was the last season. Hmm. And so I said, you know what? There's no way in hell I'm going to watch all of the episodes I've, I've missed. And so um, leading up to that last episode, I was going to watch it. But as I was reading the Wikipedia entries for each episode of the show, I became angrier and angrier. <laughs> Until finally, I think it was like midpoint of the last season, I'm like, you know what? No way. I'm not watching this damn nonsense. Like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm done with this. And so I did not watch the last episode as, as I had planned to because, yeah, it was just it was crazy. And. Like Damon Lindelof, who is the one of the main writers of the show, acknowledged that it went on for longer than they expected, and they actually had to have a writers' retreat to figure out where the show was going because they had no idea. Now, to, that's that's your background there. So let's actually talk about the show itself that we watched and its merits and demerits, perhaps. Okay. So, you know, since you're the newbie, I mean, I've seen this before. Let's uh, start with your take, man. I get why people are attracted to this show. Um, it never seemed like it was something that was going to be my kind of thing. And that's probably why I never, ever tried to seek it out. Mm-hmm. Having watched an episode, I get it entirely. I get why this dragged people in. I think it does what it does in a mercenary kind of fashion. I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it does exactly what it aims to do. It does it clinically, and it does it very well, and I have no interest in seeing any more of it. Okay. Because it confirmed exactly what I had always expected it to be, which is that it was something that was going to be made very well, be kind of infuriating, um, and have that kind of that pull you in and give you all sorts of things. Be like, ooh, check that out. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that. Oh, I bet that means something. Oh, isn't that person a bitch? Mm-hmm. It's got all of those things, and it's got the Hobbit guy, so then it's got uh, Captain Holt's mom from uh, Brooklyn oh. Nine-Nine. Really? The yeah. old black lady? Yeah. Really? Okay. Because I was like, where do I know her from? I know her voice, and it, I looked it up, and it was Captain Holt's mom. Very cool. Okay. But so there's, as there always is with any ensemble cast, there's that fun of, you know, where do I know this person from? Mm-hmm. And so there's, there was a lot to recommend it. And so I wouldn't recommend against anyone watching this, but it's not for me. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that this probably launched the career 
of Evangeline Lilly. Like, she's an Ant-Man and Wasp now. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, like the Hobbit dude, for for example, he was, he was already... I think he was one of the guys who they were like, okay, cool, you know, we'll have you in here. I'm sure that was a get for them at the time. Yes. And, um, you know, the other people in the show, like the guy who plays Locke, the guy who plays Jack, they really haven't gone on to anything else. Hmm. And really, the person who I think that I've seen in other stuff since this show um, actually did not, was not shown very much in this episode. Um, the Korean lady who um, oversees Walt while they go boar hunting, Yeah, her husband is, uh, I think his actual name is Daniel Day Kim, but like he's on Hawaii Five-0 and some other shows like that now. Okay, I know that name. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's gone on to a bit of a career. As maybe someone who's one tier above that guy status, but yeah, I mean, everyone else would essentially be a that guy at this point. Yeah, it's uh, the young woman who was an absolute bitch and tricks Dominic Monaghan into yes. fishing. I felt like I knew her from somewhere, but for the life of me, I had no idea. I looked through her entire IMDb page she has not been in anything that I've seen, despite the fact that she has had an impressive career. Hmm. She just looked super familiar. And even after I found out that I knew her from nothing, she looked super familiar. No idea. I guess she's just got one of those faces. She's got one of those generic, good-looking blonde lady in Hollywood faces. Yeah, blandly good-looking white girl. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, you have to have one of those, because you got to have somebody sexy on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, this also does have uh, music by Michael... I don't know if it's pronounced Giacchino, Giacchino. Uh, I have no idea how his name is pronounced, but he is a very good composer. I think he's done all the recent Star Trek movies. Oh. He did the music for Rogue One, the Star Wars movie. Wow. Which, um, it's the by far the best non-John Williams Star Wars-related music ever. It's fantastic. Hmm. Was this one of his first jobs, Lost, or was he have a career before so. this? so. I think... Okay. He's sort of, he's J.J. Abrams' guy. Oh, very well, okay. Pretty much anything J.J. Abrams has done, aside from the Star Wars movies, that uh, um, had to have John Williams on it, has been Michael G. Damon Lindelof is tied in with J.J. Abrams, is he not? Yes. Yeah, so maybe that's how they, like, met each other. Could be. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's all very well made, and it's very well acted. It's very pretty. It's all, it's all good. Yes. Nothing is great in here for me. And that could have something to do with jumping into episode three slash four. Because I didn't know who anyone was. And I didn't know. I'm like, why is everybody putting all of everything on this one guy? And I finally found out, okay, he's a doctor. So that makes him seem more of an authority figure. I'm like, okay, the two white guys are being really snippy and petty at each other. Like, what is is happening with any of this? I would have... I would have normally had you perhaps watch the pilot, but it was two hours long, and I didn't want to do that to you. I appreciate that, because yeah. ultimately I'm not going to watch any more of this. Correct. So so I was like, the lock, the lock episode was the first one where I was like, holy moly. Because at the end, you know, like throughout the whole episode, you, you see him like just, he's, you know, in this terrible office, and his boss is unreasonably cruel to him. Yeah, that is something, I don't know... 15 years ago, if that was allowed. Yeah. Because yeah. now that would be the ultimate in toxic work environment. Oh, and you could just so be like, much. no, absolutely not. You cannot, you can't be like this. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're just like playing a, a weird military LARPing type game over lunch. And he comes in and is like, insults the game, insults his manhood, 
and his dreams and aspirations to travel. Yeah, that is that blew my mind more than anything else in this episode. Just the fact that you can't be that. Um, You can't be that. You can't act like that way. And I. I felt like you couldn't do that in 2005. I don't think so. I think that's just a human decency thing. Yeah. And I I don't know, man. Like, it's 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 baffling that somebody could exist in an office environment and act this way. Yeah. I'm guessing that if that character were ever to be developed, it would probably be somebody's son or whatever. Oh, it has Some, to be. Something has untouchable to be. where he can't right. be fired and right. he can't be disciplined. But still, that would be... You could you should get out of that situation. There's no job that I've ever had anyway in my life where if it was like that, mm-hmm. I wouldn't just leave. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know the other thing you see in this episode too is um, kind of the archetypes of of everybody starts. It it was in the pilot in the second episode, but it it just keeps on developing in this third episode. Mm-hmm. Like you know Sawyer, he's the wisecracking Southern dude. Jack is like the hero. Evangeline Lily is the um, kind of uh, mysterious femme fatale. Um, the Australian woman, Claire, she's like the empath who cares about everybody. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, you see like, and, and Locke is is this, um, so he's almost like, I think his name was very on the nose because I think if you read about John Locke's philosophy, this particular Locke, embodies that and he is a bit of a counterpoint um as far as leadership to um what's his face jack in later in the later episodes of the season i see so you know it's like they're but they're basically in this in this push pull with each other because you know in, in this episode is where you see like Locke kind of come into his own he is able to go hunt a boar and bring it back by himself and yeah i mean he's and jack is like just, you know, trying to do whatever he can to get to kind of get rescued. But Locke is the one who's like, you know what? We're probably going to be here for a while. So I'm going to just go hunt boars and like figure out life. So it's the two sides of Lord of the Flies. Yes. Yes. Essentially. Locke has gone native. Jack is like, I want to be off this island ASAP. Now, you know, in this, we've already quote unquote spoiled it. But yes, Locke in the real world is in a wheelchair mm-hmm. the moment he so the moment this episode starts right you see him flexing his toes and he just looks really surprised he's like huh and you know when i first saw this i was like well he's just been in a plane crash so okay fine you know i would be shell shocked too yeah that's how i read it too yeah but then you know when you see him at the end of the episode he's he's in a wheelchair arguing with the dude at the outback like travel office Mm. and you know, and and throughout the whole episode he yells, don't tell me what I can't do. And he yells that at the end of this particular episode as well. When someone says you can't do that. And so that's kind of his thing. He's like, I have no limits. (laughs) I can do what I want. He is talking with a sex worker on the phone, right? Yeah. Gotta be. Come on. Cause she says something like $98 for an hour. It was 89. Oh, sorry. 89, 95. And they have somehow developed enough of a relationship that she's like, look, man, I can't talk to you anymore because it's going to cost you another eighty nine ninety five, and I cannot do that to you. I cannot in good conscience be your sex worker any yeah. longer. And it's like, 
Well, and the whole thing is like he he quits his job, or at least tells off that horrible dude, mm-hmm. and he's in like it looks like one of those crack hotels where you know people would just kind of be walking around. There'd be a lot of broken glass. Yeah, I guess I had just assumed that that was his apartment. It, it was his apartment, but it would be like it, it seemed very seedy, yeah. very seedy. And yeah, he's on the phone with Helen, the phone sex worker. <laughs> Which, even in 06, I mean, those lines were kind of going out of style, so... Yeah, but I'm sure they still exist. Oh, yeah. Because as we were talking about earlier tonight, the porn shops on the highway that you guys are going to cross when you make a trip yes. relatively soon, those still exist. So Correct. As long as, as long as there are hard copy porn shops still out there, there are phone sex lines. Okay. Fair. In fact, I'm going to task you guys with going into one of those shops... <laughs> Getting a magazine <laughs> and bringing it back so that we can advertise some of the lines that will be in the back of that. Whew. Just tell your wife. She'll be I'm, I'm not going to be able to make that happen. You don't tell me what you can't do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you learn nothing from this so goddamn good. episode, so good. <laughs> you have the ability to go out and buy a porno magazine. <laughs> I am expecting it to be either gent Jugs or Blacktail? Yeah, buddy. One of those three. Okay. I'll see what I can do. I can't promise anything. Maybe we. <laughs> and I mean O-U-I oh, 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 and not yeah. W-E-E. Oh, oh, you come on. Who are you talking to? I, I, know I just want to be sure because I, I know if I mean. just tell you we, you're going to bring a piss magazine back here. No, never. <gasps> I know what you would do to make me uncomfortable. Okay, fine, yes. To make you uncomfortable, I would do this. Yes, That's correct. why I was very specific. Correct. Okay, yes. You were correct in doing that. We? Oh, you are. So classy, so French. Exactly. <laughs> it's the only type of hard copy porno. Whew. So, yeah, I... <laughs> so, the Lord of the Rings guy, Dominic Monaghan, he's got a habit, I'm assuming. Yes, yes, he's... he's uh, Okay, so let me ask you this. How much how much backstory do we want to go into in this? As far as you feel like going. Don't go too far. Okay. There are people who I'm sure are going to listen to this who haven't seen it and are thinking, no, I want to watch this. I want to check it out. In a, in a later episode of season one, it's per, he's, he's in this very um, popular band, and they play the hit, quote-unquote, <laughs> that these people have. It's called You All Everybody. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. You You All Everybody. Yes. Okay. And and that's the name of the song. Yes, that's right. All right. You and All Everybody. That's right. Okay. So they've all got heroin habits at some point in this uh, in this journey. And they decide to do an what I think it was a Pampers commercial. <laughs> They're all wearing Pampers. <laughs> And they're playing their instruments, and the the uh, words to their hit has been rewritten to you all every butty. <laughs> so you you have seen you so so you can see that this man has debased himself in public, and so licking the uh, a bag of heroin that's likely you know been exhausted for several weeks is. Is, is, is nothing nothing out of the ordinary. Hey, man, we've all been there. <laughs> we've all been in that situation. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of 
notes on here. Just yeah, the office no. guy's a tool. There's because there isn't there isn't much to note, right? Yeah, it's like to your point. The first there's a there's a bang at the beginning. There's a bang at the end. There's not much that goes on in between. It's yeah. it's a bunch of sad vignettes on the island, and sad vignettes of Locke's life in the real world. And that would make me really angry. Um, just when you were telling me things about this show before we started recording, yeah. I just got angrier and angrier the more you talked. Yeah, I know. And I have a feeling the more that you told me, the more that you went on, I would just get more filled with rage and probably would end up choking you out. It, you know, if we did a podcast where we did a, like a full watch of this show, if, if we were to do that... I ought to kill you just for suggesting that. I would be murdered... I would say season two, episode 14. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that because this is not my type of thing. I see the appeal with this. Yes. As I was watching this, I kept thinking, I I get it. I see why people like this. But this is just something that wasn't made for me. Right. Um, We've watched, you and I have watched together many, many TV shows. Oh, yes, We watched The Wire. Shield. Justified, The Shield. Better Off Ted, Parks and How Rec, I Met Your Mother, everything. Some shows that were great, mm-hmm. some shows that started out great and finished wonkily, but none of them had this particular type of structure. No. Um, Justified does not have this. The Shield does not have this. These are shows that um, have kind of an up and down mm-hmm. throughout them, but they don't have that thing where they have to grab your attention and pull you in and get you to sit down and be bored for half an hour and then excite you at the end to get you to tune in Correct. next week. Correct. Nothing that we've watched really has had that kind of structure to it. So it's not really something that I would really go for. No. But I do understand, we talked about before we started recording, it just kind of pushes buttons. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's nothing at all that's wrong with that because we all have those shows that we watch that if we really take time and look at them, we might feel that the quality was suspect or we might feel something about it was suspect, mm-hmm. but it pushes the right buttons for us. Yeah. And that's fine. Right. Because that's what entertainment should be. It should be something that you enjoy watching one way or another that's or right. feel challenged by or feel intrigued by. And I think that did something for a lot of people yes. in that vein. It just does not. There are no buttons that it pushes that are my buttons in particular. And, you know, I'm not going to say that we're like, you know, people who are far above the normal man, but... No, not at all. I mean... It's just something that is in... It's the same highway, it's a completely different lane. That's right. That's right. It's like, you know, if... If you're a person who watches TV seriously like we do, you know, with with an eye to the quality and the story and things like that... We are serious men. Yes. I mean, yeah. Then then this type of show isn't going to work. But if you're just some Joe Schmo who's just gotten off, you know, his shift at the cement factory and he's having a hungry man dinner and Lost comes on, he's going to be like, you know what? That's a good show. Yeah. Or conversely, it can be great for people who want to look for deeper things. Those deeper things aren't always there, but there are also people who love to just sit there with a pad of paper and track where the numbers show up yeah. or what the fuck is that big monster because it's too big to be a boar. It's got to be something else. And so there are just, it's like I said, same highway, different lane. Right. And so it's not a lane that I'm ever particularly interested in. And that's the same kind of thing with The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. 
I get why it's really appealing for other people, but those particular elements of the show aren't things that appeal to me. Right. So I don't feel like I missed anything by not seeing this because the people that I would talk about movies with or the people that I talk about TV shows with aren't necessarily people who would be super pulled in by stuff like this, mm-hmm. as evidenced by the fact that I've never talked with anybody about this show I mean, before. I was, but it was a different time. It was before I knew you. Yeah. Yeah. So you had yes. grown. Right, right. We were different people. We would not have been friends if we had met in 2005. No, no. I, I mean, we technically met in 2001, but yes. we didn't meet again until like but, 2008. But that, that, was, that was because of the, the bitter experience, the, the, the untruth that was perpetrated by your ex for so many years against me. That's true. <laughs> Look, I recognize I was wrong. No, no, she was wrong. She, she allowed it to go on. You're blameless here. I'm the one who posited that, though. Oh. I was the one who mentioned that I thought that you were responsible for that. We, now we have to discuss it. Okay. The, the cap is off. We have, to, okay. we have okay. to squeeze out all the toothpaste here. So, Munir and I met in 2001? I don't think we met before then. Yes. We? Okay. Shortly after 9-11. Yes. Munir went to high school with my girlfriend at the time. Yes. Um... The timeline is convoluted. They went to high school together. My girlfriend and I met in college. And then Munir and I met at dinner with my girlfriend in 2001. Yes. The week after September 11th. Now, the nation was in a dark time. We were all having hard feelings. Yes. We wanted to laugh again. And as I remembered it... Munir suggested, let's go see that new movie, Glitter. Now, years later, it was pointed out to me that that is not actually what happened. That is correct. Because, and I'll allow you to clear your name here. Yes, you had gone to the bathroom in my studio apartment, and your girlfriend at the time, my friend at the time, she said, hey... Wouldn't it be so crazy if we went and saw Glitter? And I didn't particularly want to watch it, but I was like, you know, I mean, it's she's a pal, fine, whatever. Let's let's do it. <laughs> so we ended up watching Glitter. Yeah. In one of the most uncomfortable movie theaters I have ever seen a film oh in in my life. Yes, it was it's a it was a horrible theater. I've heard they've redone the scene. It's much better now. Yeah. It's a theater in Lawrence, Kansas. If you're from there, you know which one we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but so we saw Glitter, and that is, I'm going to say, 100 minutes of our lives that are lost. They will never come back to us. There were a couple of funny moments, to be fair. But I mean, I, I was so annoyed that I don't think we said anything <laughs> in the car. <laughs> because I was just like, why did I spend money on this? I am a student on a fixed budget. <laughs> and... And then you guys were just kind of like, hey, man, we got to get back home. So I was like, all right, that's cool. And, and, and so then... <laughs> We've used you to drive us to glitter. In the, in the intervening years, and in the intervening months, she allowed this fraud against my name yeah, to stand. Yeah, I on you all those years. I yes. was like, man. Yes. When you really wanted to see that Mariah Carey movie. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was like, you know what? I've already, I've already seen the Mariah Carey MTV Cribs where she's in the hot tub. I've seen all the Mariah Carey I need to see. I think I probably just assumed that you thought she was hot. And you're like, I could stand to look at Mariah Carey for 90 minutes. 
Yeah, but I not, didn't, I no, didn't no, no. I feel really bad. It's fine. Because I mean, I've held that against you for, like, between 2001 and probably, I don't know when it came up again. I'm going to say 2010. I'm going to say 13. Okay. Because I, I feel like the first few years we knew each other, it was this dark memory in our past that neither of us wanted to broach. And then at one point I just said, man, you remember that one time you made us go see Glitter? Yes, and then I, I set the record straight, and you were like, wait a minute, what? It's, it's, it's like, you know, if, uh, if, if, if we had been in a war together, you know, and, and, and like and I, I was... accused you of being a spy. Exactly, but I was actually like, like saving the whole battalion. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. And then I turned you into the MPs. <laughs> right. Like, he's a spy, get him. <laughs> But yes, that being said, uh, Glitter, two thumbs down. This show, ultimately, for me, is a two thumbs down. I would I would not watch it again. Like, if, if I had seen this now, if this was a new show now, I, I would not watch it. But at the time, as I said, it was a fallow time in, in TV history. So Well, at the time, yeah. the television landscape was vastly different, as you mm-hmm. noted. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't yet discovered the glory of the limited series. That's right. This seems like it would be suited, really well suited to a limited series. Like on, I mean, now they kind of do limited series on the big networks because they don't have the money to do 20 episodes. Exactly. Um, But, you know, a Showtime or an HBO or something, do like two 13 episode seasons and be done with it. That is... And then move on. That would have been the best because, yeah, like as it gets into these really weird metaphysical areas in the later seasons. And I, I'm not even going to say anything about it. It's horrible. <laughs> but if they had finished after season two, because that was when it stopped being compelling, like season three, I'm like, what is this? Um, I, I would actually argue seasons about one and a half, one and a half seasons is when it should have ended. Hmm. And they just say, you know what? We're all going get, to get rescued. That's it. So would you recommend to the people listening that they should maybe watch season one or maybe seasons one and two or just avoid it altogether? I would say... There's a stray cat watching us from the window. It's adorable. Oh. If if I like you, I'm going to tell you to avoid this altogether. (laughs) If I'm not particularly fond of you, I'm going to say watch seasons one and two. So that's how you know if you're wondering out there. Yeah. If he's ever recommended this show to you, but that being said, I would I would still argue it's a cultural touchstone because it, it definitely was, is. Yeah, it was it was big. You could not avoid hearing about it. So even though it didn't appeal to me, I was aware of it, and you could not escape the concept of it because mm-hmm. it was it was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much I didn't realize that a whole bunch of money had been spent on it. That makes sense. So I'm sure there was a big advertising push behind that. Huge. I know looking, I looked, did some trivia. Apparently they were trying to get Michael Keaton to be in like the first episode to be killed off. Really? Kind of like in The Shield, how they have that one guy from Homicide on there. Yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. Because they were like, oh, we'll get a big star to be on here and you see the new Michael Keaton show and then he dies in the first episode. But um, I'm glad Michael Keaton didn't do that. He's got other things to do. Yeah. He's doing fine. No, he's, he's a national treasure now. So, yeah, there's no way that you could say this isn't a cultural touchstone. But having watched an episode of it, I say it's a part of the culture that doesn't necessarily have anything for me. No. This was a, uh, I would say this is regrettable dalliance territory. It can be two things. 
Mm-hmm. I think it can really be two things. It can be both a cultural touchstone and something that we really shouldn't have been involved with. No, no. No, it's, it, it's definitely, as I said, if you for some reason want to relive 2005 and 2006, yeah, you got to watch this show. Hmm. But there's no reason to watch it on its merits. I can't even remember what I was doing in 2005. I, I should have tried to remember, maybe look back through my movie tickets and see what I was doing back then. But I mean, I was busy avoiding being assassinated, but that was that was just me. <laughs> just because? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy ex-girlfriend? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So, yeah, there you have it. This one actually bridges two categories. is both a cultural touchstone and a regrettable dalliance. Yeah. And so with that, um, let's talk about uh, what we'll do next time. Well, you know, this show prominently features an airplane disaster. Yes. So I was thinking, one of the great comedies of the 1980s in the movies, Zucker Abrams Zucker's Airplane. A disaster of an entirely different type involving an airplane. Okay. Okay. I've never seen it. And that is why... You have to watch that immediately. I've heard that. I've heard it's good. So, yes, we will We will discuss that next time. Excellent. Until then. I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't have a way to end we'll this We'll have yet. to figure out a snappy ending. But, yeah. yes, until next time, peace out. Bye. Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately.